podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Cheeseheads. Welcome to another episode of the Cheese Room Podcast. This is Franco, your host of the show, and today we're reviewing the 3-1 defeat to Leeds in the league. Top four, almost certainly over now, and really, we just want this season to end. But we're going to look at the game and all that went wrong. As always, joining me from Vienna is the Harlow Globetrotter. How are you doing, HG? I don't think we can do all that went wrong. We'd be here all night. Um, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I'm doing well. Spurs are Spurs. I don't think any of us were that surprised, but um, yeah, it's it's good to be on the pod again. Also joining from South London, it is Mr. Paul Muir. Hayden Paul. Yeah, not bad. Thanks. It's nice to be back on. It's also a good time because a good few hours between the end of the game and uh, while recording, so you get time to like oh, calm down, I guess, and reflect, which is a uh, which is quite nice. But uh, yeah. That wasn't very good today, was it? No, I agree. It's a lot easier doing a pod when you've had a few hours rather than like 15 minutes. But our Patreon chat today was pretty angry after the match, to be honest. Everyone was <laughs> getting quite argumentative and venting, like tapping furiously. Um, also joining, first time he's been on a pod with me, it's um, all the way from Australia, Mr. David Harris. How are you doing, Dave? Very well. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, 6.15. I think we'll, we'll see the sun come up. Uh, on a Sunday morning as we watched the sun go down on the uh, Tottenham season last night. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. I said to Brim, Brim was like, yeah, Dave's up for coming on the pod this week. I was like, it's going to be like five o'clock probably. So I've given you an extra hour, six o'clock in the morning. But wow, that's that's quite impressive. Also, am I calling you David? or I'm, I'm surprised you're not a Davo now that you're Australian. Is that not a <laughs> prerequisite? Well, that's part of the Australian school national curriculum to put an O at the end of everyone's name for a nickname. So, uh, yeah. David or Dave, whatever you'd like. Always when they give you your citizenship papers, they just put an O on the end, no? Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how it goes. Stamp and an O on the end of your name. There you go, mate. Welcome to Australia. <laughs> right. As always, we'll crack into it looking at the team lineup. HG, were you surprised? Same team, two games in a row. No, I wasn't because I don't think Ryan Mason is particularly capable of much more than, yeah, I'll have those guys again. They won last time. Um, I, I, I wanted something different because I think I mentioned on a, on the preview pod, but also that you know Leeds like to run through midfield and I thought we need to be a bit more mobile than, than maybe we would have been. But yeah, I wasn't surprised to see this, the same starting 11 because yeah, we won. So it's... Yeah, it just seems to be that's what Mason was going to do. You know, he'll change it next week because we lost. But today, if you win, you get to play again. Hmm. What did you think about it, uh, Dave? Is um more pragmatic, or just you know, do you like the fact that he's decided to keep the same team after Jose chopped and changed on a weekly basis? Uh, I think he should have been more pragmatic. We're we're away at Leeds. Um, we know the way they play with a lot of energy driving through the midfield. Um, and um, look, you know, the, the whole narrative the last three or four weeks is, oh, we've got our Tottenham back, we're attacking in the free-flowing <laughs> football and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, it's just, you know, it's like we've, we're, we're out of the dark days of it all and now we're going to be exciting and great. And it's not quite like that. And where's Joe Roden gone? He's like banished off to the outskirts of Siberia. It's, it, it, it sounds like you've been uh, reading Windy on Twitter, 
Dave, because that's basically <laughs> what he said. Yeah, yeah, we lost 3-1, but it's great to have Spurs back. And I'm thinking, no, no, we, we, we lost. Like, that's not the Spurs I want back. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Paul, what did you think about the game itself, how it started off? Because we knew what these were going to do, and, and they did, didn't they? Put us under a lot of pressure from the start, closing down. Loads of energy. We know what Bielsa's about. I, I love Bielsa. I think, yes, I know he's, what should we say, maverick, for want of a better adjective, but uh, I like the way that he plays. Yeah, they were always going like, to flood us and, uh, and uh, yeah, come at us, really, as we, which, what they, which is what they did. Um, I'm surprised that Mason didn't try and put an extra body in midfield, uh, to be honest, because you know, anybody who would who, who's watched Leeds knows exactly how they play. So, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to see uh, them take the lead. Uh, it was such a disappointing way in how it happened. Yeah, it wasn't easy. What did you think about the start, HG? Because similar to what Paul said, I just felt like we were instantly on the back foot. Yeah, Leeds to me are like one of those 1980s kids games where you've got like people like ice hockey players on the end of a on the end of a stick and they can only run north to south. Um, but that's all they do. Right. So you've got people in midfield who who run from the centre midfield to the edge of the box or the defenders run from fullback all the way to the edge of the box. And that's basically they just run up and down the entire game. And they started from the first minute. Like, I, I think there was definitely something maybe because Luke Ayling is their captain. Right. And he's ex-Arsenal mm. and maybe wanted to win the game a bit more than, than most games. But, yeah, I think... It, we know what Spurs are like. We don't start well usually. We don't get into things. I think after a while, maybe I think fifteen, twenty minutes. Yeah, we were behind already, but Spurs were like, okay, now now we're really into this. We're we're going to give it a go, and we were enjoying the challenge. But first off, Leeds were just Leeds, and we should have expected it. They didn't do anything that we haven't seen all season. They, I mean, and they've been doing it for what three years now since Bielsa took over. They've played the same way, and so it really can't be a surprise. That uh, that they did that, and, and we should have been ready for it. We should have understood what they were going to do, and and figured out a way to try and stop it. Yeah, and they they you know they created a few chances. I think that was their fourth attempt on goal before they actually scored. What do you think about the goal itself, David? I just thought it was a complete defensive calamity, as always. Oh well, look, I think uh, the right side of our defence and the kind of the right side of of our the way we are, which is to just have a giant arrow up saying this way, please, and just direct the traffic <laughs> down the, the right hand side of our defence. I mean, Aurea lets the cross in. Uh, Region should have put it into Rose Z, and uh, Larice couldn't do anything about it. It was just a calamity of errors. I thought Larice had a great game. He had a fantastic game, and he could have we been a whole to. lot more. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. I think he said he was going to be cold and wet, so can you keep me busy, please? And that worked well for him. <laughs> and Paul, um, earlier this week, Dyer was in, I think it was the Telegraph, saying that he felt like he'd been harshly judged and that a lot of his mistakes were sort of exaggerated this season. But he was just as culpable in that first goal, just lets the ball go straight past him, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I think Dyer shouldn't have done any of you. You hate any players talking, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't really like it, to be honest. If I'm playing against Dyer, which I will never be able to do, I'd be in his ear going like, your fans think you're shit, Eric. You know, <laughs> you, you know basically, because if he's talking to the press saying like, oh, poor world betide me, I think all the critics, mate, come on, you're, you know, you're pop, pop, top of the three or 4% of like players playing in the Premier League, all right? Have something about you. You didn't get there by chance. You get there with like a bit of grit, a bit of tenacity and like, you know, applying yourself. So like, start applying yourself like, and be a bit stronger in the team. When I read that in Telegraph, it was like, nah, nah, 
don't they just that it's, it's just it's just a it's just an omission of, of like weakness it just shows that you know that you, that you are that, that you're letting the kind of criticism like get to you and and, mm. and don't do that because that's that's something the opposition will use uh it wasn't very good today um at all i'd, I'd echo what the guys were saying about rodon i think i've said it on patreon all week it's like i don't know where he is i don't know what he's done he's not injured according to ben dinnery on twitter um same as tanganga tanganga's not injured by, by all accounts, he's, they're just they're just not getting in the, in the first the first team squad or the, sorry the the match squad. So I, I don't mm. know what's going on there at all, really. But what I would say as well for Serge today, he, Harrison is two footed and he had him on toast all day. He can go outside you like he did it go inside you for like when he shot and lose put over the bar. I thought Harrison today was really really good. I, I, I mean, I'm not Serge's biggest fan as you know, but. He was up against it today, Serge. He was. Harrison was very, very good, both outside him and inside him. No, that's true. And HD, what did you think about sort of the game after that? Because it just felt like Leeds were, were thoroughly winning that midfield battle. Um, we couldn't really keep hold of the ball, let alone create many chances. And we put um, La Celso in there again instead of Ndombele. And, and obviously, with all the contrarians in the football world, they were saying that was the mistake we made. But I'm not sure they would have made a huge amount of difference. Like They were just stronger than us and more up for the battle in the middle. And then like Paul just said, on the wings, they were causing us loads of problems as well. Yeah, like I think we have to realise that, I mean, I've said this before, like the the team that we had four seasons ago that could steamroll at almost anyone by playing the same 11 or 12, you know, week in, week out, we don't have the team to do that. It doesn't matter what our best 11 is. That best 11 can't do, can't play that way against every single team. And so mm. today, if you know that leads are going to run, then it means maybe that, some of those players that you do think are the best ones shouldn't play, right? There's also who's done really nothing wrong or nothing right. I mean, I don't think he's been worse than Dombele, to be honest. I think Dombele would have struggled just as much as Lazelso did, because to mm. me the issue today was the fact we only had two in midfield. Delhi, as much as I love him, I've said plenty of times, needs a platform to work his magic, and today he was part of the platform. Really, uh, he couldn't. He couldn't do what he needed to do, and we just weren't able to get him the ball in midfield. So, at some point, we have to say, "Look, you know, maybe Bayor, Kane, and Son is our best front three on paper, but it can't work in every game." We, 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 we've seen it with Bale before that um, he doesn't really like to do his defensive work. We all know that's true. So maybe maybe he can't play that game. He he shouldn't have played today because it just like again, I don't feel like Bale was terrible. It's just. That's not like Leeds. Leeds make everything bad about him look worse, and so mm. I just think like for the. I mean, the first half, obviously, I think the key moment is going to be the fact that we didn't get the second goal right when Kane wasn't offside, and they decided to make him offside because it was so close that they could make any decision they wanted. Um, mm. That that was that was the key moment. The goal that we got was a good goal. You know, Delhi times the pass perfectly. He saw the run of sun, and there's nothing that Leeds could have done. I mean, Leeds do leave themselves open um, for stuff like that, and we took it really well. But really, it was all about Leeds today. And like, had we got in uh, level at one-one at halftime, then maybe um, we could have changed things in the second half. Maybe we'd have tried something different. But I don't think we would have. I think Leeds would have just continued to outplay us and outfight us. It was, it, it wasn't fun to watch, but. It, 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 there's, there's so, so much predictability about it now. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the, our first goal um, 
and David, I was shouting at my TV to myself because just before our goal, they played a ball, I think, out down to the wing and Bamford was running the channels. He held it up, turned round, and he knew that he had runners and they, you know, and then they had the ball on the edge of the box. I mean, they put a, a cross in and we were headed it out and broke. But I was sort of shouting, why, when we get the ball, do we look so disjointed? And then you look at a well-drilled team like Leeds, who know exactly where their players are, know where they need to be in order to get the pass and the pe- people the ball know where they're going to be. And then we managed to conjure a goal. But what did you think about our goal? It was a really nice move, but it all just seemed to be because of individual skill. Like There seemed to be no real structure to it. I, I thought um, Lo Celso brought the ball out nicely from, yeah. from the fence and he connected up the midfield. And he did that just previously then as well. And it's the first time you noticed him in the game. You know, Delhi was a lovely ball, um, maybe a little bit fortunate and Sun a nice finish. And that's the way that you want to play. You have that midfield player linking defence and attack and yeah. having that move. And that was fantastic. Um, Lo Celso and Ndombele, next season, they've got to really prove it. You know, I think everyone's... Yeah. The narrative is on Dembele is, oh, he's been great this season because he was so shit last year. And Lo Celso <laughs> seems to be getting the injury record of, of our beloved Eric Lamella, who yeah. I share my love of with HG, I can assure you. <laughs> It's a tricky one for Lo Celso because he comes in and out, maybe takes a bit of time. But, I mean, there was a moment today where he was completely unchallenged and ran the ball out of play. Mm. <laughs> and then you've got the players saying, Lo Celso in training, we asked, why aren't you playing for Real Madrid or something like that? It's like, come on, guys. There's a disconnect here between what's being said. Who said that? No. I actually think it was Dyer that said that. I think it was Dyer that came out and said that about Lo Celso. So, well, okay. It depends what you think about Dyer's uh, opinions, doesn't it, really? The thing with Lo is that in a two, it might work if we're dominating possession, right? Like if you get him to basically almost be like Fabregas and just spread the ball around and not have to do much in an attacking forward, then it might work. But we were never in that position. And so then you start looking like, who would have been a better two? If you're going to play a 4-2-3-1, who would it have been? We don't have the mobility in central midfield to play that way. You'd, we we mm. had to have played three today. We we like you can think about Winks. You can think about Sissoko as being runners, well Sissoko mainly because Winks isn't really either. We don't have anyone with that kind of physicality in their game who's who's who, who's willing and actually wants it's part of their game. You know, our midfielders are all about passing the ball, but they're not really about running off the ball or even with the ball. It, it's mm. it, it, it's it, it's tough because. We, we can sit here and say, yeah, it's not going to work, but there's really not much we could have probably done apart from playing four central midfielders and, and hope for the front two to to come up with something. Yeah, and it's odd because you watch videos of Lo Celso in Spain and he was full of running, breaking from the middle and, and taking on defenders and stuff. He's I don't know, maybe it's been a bit curtailed, maybe he's still a bit hampered through uh, injuries and stuff. But um, talking about the, the offside... What did you think about that, Paul? Do you think it was a sort of sliding doors moment in the game? Do you think it would have made a lot of difference? Because it, it, I think most people online, even there's Man City fans and stuff on Twitter saying that it's ridiculous. But it's like they're measuring offside at like the atomic level now, isn't it? Because I just saw two lines on top of each other. That's exactly what I saw as well. Uh, level, in my opinion, is an offside. Um, do I think it would have made much of a difference? No, because I will go along with what HG was saying is that they, and what you were saying is that they would have, they would have steamrolled us anyway. They would have beaten us today. It does. It, it, I, I don't think that offside in the grand scheme of things had much of a difference. I don't think it was going to shift momentum. 
I don't think it was going to swing um, anything our way. It might have given us like a, a temporary injection of confidence. Probably last about 15, 20 minutes. And who knows? But yeah, I, I, level to me is an, is an offside. And uh, I'm just a bit sick of that. Uh, I don't. I, I actually don't know what FIFA and UEFA are going to do about it. Um, I'm, I, I actually don't read about it anymore. I, I, I actually choose not to read about it because it annoys me so much. <laughs> It, it should have stood that goal, but in the big, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. To be honest, no. But inevitable as it was, that Leeds moments yeah. late. I don't know how long it was. It felt like moments to me. Went up the other end and scored. Yeah. And David, what did you think about that? Because again, it was just another goal that highlighted our defensive issues. It's pretty much a carbon copy of the first in the sense that it was down the right hand, down our right hand side, and then Dyer was sort of. Um, Sleeping, wasn't he? No, I think Dyer was excellent in this one because he was he showed his versatility. Because let's not forget, <laughs> he started their move with his header out, which was shocking. Yep. Dallas beat Reggie onto the ball, uh, and then Dyer was static, just like he was Liverpool at home. If you remember, letting back don't forget he did try and offload responsibility to to Hoybier at one point as well by pointing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, "You take Bamford, <laughs> then it's not my fault." Well, I think the two pieces of positivity this week about Dyer is one, Southgate was watching him, so really he cannot take him to the Euros. And no. the second thing is is that now with Jose in charge at Roma, that hopefully Dyer will get to use that travel restaurant review app that he launched with his brother last year <laughs> and uh, he can try it out in Rome um, and uh, see how we go from there. Reviewing all the pizza. But HG, it's just, I don't know with Dai, it's We've seen it happen so many times where he it seems like he, he, he looks like he's in control of the situation. He gets into almost the right position, but then just ball watches. And all Bamford had to do was get in front of him, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing today. I mean, you talk about the the first one. Um, he runs away. He, he lets the cross go past him because he's worried about the man rather than the ball. And then the second goal comes around and he's not really worried about either. Um, mm. like the, the ball can't score a goal the man can so you can understand that you have to be aware where, where your man is but if the ball comes in your area and you're six yards away from your own goal you need to try and get it you can't just assume that someone behind you is going to do it because you you can't you don't have eyes in the back of your head Dyer is one of those players that he, he might have like you know, 90% of what you would need to be a, a defender, but he's not a defender, not really. He doesn't have that desire to really to kick everything away and understand that you know he needs to dominate his opponent. He, he doesn't do that. So, yeah, like I've always been a big Dyer fan. Everyone knows that. I, I do like the attitude that he has, but I liked mm. him as a defensive midfielder. I don't like him as a centre-half. I never have done. Even when we played in a three and were winning most weeks and Dyer was one of the three, it never seemed to work. He wasn't a defender. I remember one game, I think it was at Old Trafford and Marshall did him for pace. And it was like, oh, okay, this is not where you want to be. Um, I, if there is, is going to be a break in this summer, I don't think anyone should really complain. He's given a lot to Spurs. Um, but yeah, maybe time to move on. What was he trying to? What was he trying to do with the header? What, what was he? What was he trying to do with it? Was he trying to cushion it to Reggie? I yeah, do. I think he was trying to cushion it. Yeah. But, but why? It's 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 it's. But it's decision making, isn't it? It's like he's not inexperienced. All right. You know, Reggie's not expecting that cushion header because of where he's it in the park. It's just why is he doing that? What I mean, we 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 ball out Sanchez for like making kind of like rash errors all the time, and you know, Mister Steady Eddie Toby doesn't really do that anymore. But it's just and also like Reggie for the first goal, just put it out. 
what are you doing trying to like cushion it back to like Larice or or even playing that ball anywhere near the goal? It's just these individual kind of moments of like decision making. It just just cost us. If in doubt, right? If in doubt, exactly. It's quite a simple rule. Mr. Rich, again, my Pete, shout again to Mr. Rich, second time on two pods. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, Muir, you big head so-and-so, just boot it. Just fucking get it out of you. What are you trying to do cushioning it there, Eric? Just put it up towards the centre circle or put it out. As you can see, I'm a bit frustrated with him. But. When he eventually goes and the, and the cheese room does the tribute edition uh, retrospective, <laughs> I think that uh, genuinely peak dire was the season that we came third in that two-horse race when he was the defensive... Yeah. When they, he converted into a defensive midfield player because Levy didn't want to pay Southampton the one yammer money two years out from the end of his contract. So he, that, he, that was his best season. He was fantastic alongside mm. Dembele. We had a great... You know, we had a, he played really well. He protected yeah. defence. His distribution was excellent. And then when Wanyama came in and he played him alongside Dembele, and they were better... Um, and he was being put back into defence as part of the three, that's when it all starts going downhill because he's not a defender. No, and I don't know why he's chosen to be. It is weird. I've got a friend, like one of my, a lot of my friends are Norwich fans because that's where I'm near, near where I'm from originally, and when we played them a few seasons back, it probably was that season, he was like, Dyer's one of the best and most promising young players I've seen for ages. He's like his maturity, the way he reads the game, the way he marshals everybody. And at some point we lost that. <clears throat> I don't know whether it is as simple as just Dembele not being around to like basically do most of the work because <laughs> Dyer was very good at covering space and sort of making tackles at the right time and things like that. But he wasn't quite as combative and all action as Dembele. So maybe it's just missing that. But also, I mean, Paul, because you're a big fan of Hoybier and, and, and I yeah. think you've said... Yeah, you said that you think that he's he's injured, but he just looks like he definitely needs a holiday, doesn't he? He needs yep. to put his feet up, get some sun and chill out. That was 50 games for us this today, wasn't it? 50 games. So, yeah. 50 games. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I know Skip's got a metatarsal, he's got a broken broken toe at the moment. Um, if, 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 if Skip does come and, and stay with us uh, next season and doesn't go back to Norwich for whatever reason, I can see, I can definitely see Hoiberg like not playing so much. I think when teams, uh, when we dominate teams, which is not many, I think he looks all right. Um, lately, he just can't seem to pass the ball to the right person over fifteen meters. Um, yeah, he's he's been he's been well off it for the last two, maybe three months. Maybe you know he's Jose's kind of like kind of like star, not star by, but he's the, the buy that's worked out the best. Maybe with all the Jose kind of criticism, I don't know if it's affected him or not, but. Um, He's definitely not been at it. He's, he's, and I, I, I do think is that, that there is some kind of muscular or some kind of skeletal issue with him at the moment because he, he just he doesn't seem to be laterally moving that well, and he just doesn't seem to have the impact anymore that he had, like certainly up until about January. So let's hope Skip, let's hope Skip comes back from the broken toe or whatever, and and and, and we see a bit of rotation next year yeah, yeah we definitely will there's no way he's going to stay at Norwich I think he's probably relishing the opportunity to come back at Spurs because our midfield is definitely lacking this is mm-hmm. his big opportunity next season so we'll mm-hmm. see Skip, Skip's going to be the new number 11 please 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, you want him playing on the wing I just want someone else wearing number 11 I don't care who it is well it'll be Gareth Bale um, let's talk about Bale because... <laughs> let's talk about yeah let's talk about Bale come on 
Let's talk about bail. Um, I saw <clears> never. <throat> <laughs> uh, well, I'll ask you, David, because um, I know what uh, Paul and HG thinks because we had a bit of a tear-up talking about bail midweek. Um, Mr Muir does not think that Bale has done enough. The rest of us are kind of like, well, if you look at the goals record, you know, he's done quite well. What do you think we should do with Bale next season? Because today was a perfect example of Gareth Bale. You either get goals or you get nothing, it seems. Okay, so obviously, as I'm the oldest person ever to appear on this pod at the ripe old age of <laughs> nearly 50, um, but look, we all remember Bale from the first time around. We, we remember yeah. him, and uh, he was fantastic. We saw him develop into a world class player. He's come back. He's a bit like uh, he's a bit like Graham Hick in the England county cricket scene. He's just. That's a 90s cricket reference for you. Um, he's just, I don't think, oh, it's a statistic. He hasn't scored against anyone higher than 13th in the league. He, yeah. you know, against the worst, the lesser opposition at home, if we're trying to break down someone, he's great. When he, when we need him to turn up, Arsenal away, Zagreb second leg when he came on today, mm-hmm. you know, just, it's just not good enough. And, you know, again, we're all, we're going into our nostalgic, oh, he's back and it's all... I, I was excited as everyone else. Son, Bale, Kane up front. Fantastic. And, yep. you know, everyone's had a go at Jose and, you know, look what he's done to Bale. You know, Bale came back. He wasn't fit. He hasn't played first-team football for two to three years. And um, he he got back to some level of fitness. We saw him playing well, put a run together up to the Arsenal game. And since then, not good. And now the narrative from Bale is, well, Jose's gone. We've got our Tottenham back. There's too many players just are hiding behind this whole Jose thing, as far as I'm concerned. So in a long-winded answer to your question, no, I don't want him back next season. But then again, there's about nine players I don't want there next season. But we need to build a team. <laughs> what did you think about him today, HG? Because he was largely anonymous, wasn't he? But I just didn't know whether that was our inability to get the ball to him as much as anything else. No, I mean, it, it was the Arsenal game. It's just he had Aurier behind him today instead of Doherty. That there wasn't much difference, right? I mean, like all, most of Leeds' good work came down the left, just like most of Arsenal's came down the left for them. So, yeah, like I mean, the, the discussion we had was, you know, when Bale is good, we we need someone like that. Um, mm. it, it'd be nice to have him come on and take the pressure off some of the other strikers. He, to me, he's a squad player at best, right? I mean, like he's a very good squad player on his day. But he's a squad player at best. Now, if if we mm. if we want to pay that money to to have a squad player that can do that, it might be a better use of funds than paying Lamella and Sissoko to do the same, right? Because they like they can't do those things. I I just yeah. If we want to see the you know the the 2015 bail, well that that's not going to happen. But you know, can he provide us with something that maybe just to give maybe Kane and Son and others a, a game off or a start off? Then then great. Um, I, I'd be okay with that, but yeah, to, to think that he's going to be the, the 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 greatest player because he, he's got eight, what, eight goals in nine starts or whatever it is, no, it, it is all about who the, who the starts are against, and that, that there will be a time and place for for someone like Bale. Yeah. I, it's just whether yeah. you whether you think you can use the money um, in in a better way. Maybe Jack Clark could get those starts. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be against him coming back, but I don't expect the world from him at all. Yeah, I think that's the argument that I was making at the end is like, if you look at what we can do with the money, because it's going to be very difficult this summer, we're not sure what we're going to be able to do. And if you can pay those wages, okay, that's a lot of money, but with no fee up front, you know, it's 10 million, isn't it? We'll be mm-hmm. paying something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get goals out of that, that it's better than buying a player or a replacement for another player. And, then, I- you know, may- maybe not getting that return. 
Paul, by all means, you can tell us what you think. And then afterwards, tell us what you thought of Delhi today. Because Bale today, 15 passes, Delhi 19. They were the least involved of any players on the pitch. I've got a caveat of thing about Bale. It's not about the money. It, it's it's not about the money. It, what it's about, me, is, and I say this all the time, you cannot have, at the moment, nine outfield players carrying the game for hope in hope that Gareth Bale will do something for you. That's nonsense. I don't think anybody above us, maybe that, maybe spam do it with Antonio, because they know he, he, maybe they carry him a little bit. But if you look like everybody pulls, you know, and that second goal today, he, Bale's not even in the shot coming down our right. You know, they get the overload on Aurier, the ball goes out, um, from Harrison and, and I think, oh, Alioski, and it, it comes in and Bamford taps it in. Um, I also think that if we had a better coach and better systems of play, he would make up that better systems of play with, you know, attacking kind of like ideas. I think the deficit that, that wouldn't be so much for someone like Bale to try and step into. I think, I think the, the shortfall could be made up by like better coaching of players like Jack Clark, dare I say it, maybe not Lucas, but like another forward, another young forward or another, another young winger. I, I just I just don't think we can afford to carry him. It's not about money. It's it's just about what he does in the team as a collective. It's not enough. It's not enough. I also don't believe he's world class in the final third. Shout out to Mister uh, Mister Caller. I, I just I just don't see it. I just I, and it's not it's not a pandering for what he was a couple of years ago when he when he's first. Involved. It's just not what we want. Well, it's just not what we need. I believe. I I, I feel like that like next season whether we have European football of any kind or not. Um, we're going to have to make decisions to do with the squad because we've got, what, eight attacking midfielders right now? And Sessegnon's mm. coming back. I mean, we've got a load of options with Bergvine and Delhi and Lucas and Lamella and Sessegnon and Son, and I've probably missed a couple. Jack Clark would come back. Um, yeah, we, we probably won't need him. We, we could probably go with five or six and just say, right, buy Lamella, buy Lucas, buy Bale, and go with the others. And mm. yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I think that... <laughs> none of us really know how good Sissignon would be as a left winger. None of us really know what Jack Clark can do at this level because he's not been given the chance. But at some point, they get they have to get those chances. And so it, it really is going to be a question. Like, if we do have European football and a load more games, then fair enough, maybe we need a bigger squad. But if we don't, and if we literally just have domestic competitions then, yeah, like, what do we want to do? It's a massive question for whoever comes in because sometimes the you know, these young players, they do deserve a chance. Nobody would know what Gareth Bale can do if he wasn't sat in our squad back in 20, was it 2010, when he, when he, when he really started flying down the wing. We, we all knew he was a decent player, but they, he'd never really been had the opportunity. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a tough call. Mm. Just going to talk about the third goal quickly as well. I mean, I just feel like at that point we were pushing for the game. Again, it's another dubious offside, but I, like Eric Dyer for some reason was sticking his head back. <laughs> then that, that was the line. Yeah, another calamity from us. Very disappointing. But I kind of think by that point the game was gone. We had opportunities. Like Serge had that sort of deflected shot. Kane had the free kick that hit the crossbar. But ultimately, I think we can all agree that just like Leeds's energy and you know the fact that they had a plan, as Seb would be saying if he was here, um, meant that they were worthy winners today. But where does that leave us again in the top four race? Chelsea have gone and got a last minute winner tonight. Uh, David, do you think it's definitely all over now? 
It's really all over now. It was <laughs> before it was all over. I mean, you look at the run-ins that. Um, I mean, Liverpool have got uh, they got Southampton, who they're playing now. Um, yeah. They got Man United, and um, I think Man United have got one less day to recover now because of the, the way they put the fixtures in. Uh, yeah. But we were never going to do it, you know. I'm sorry, but that that ship sailed a long time ago. I don't think we're going to get Europa either. I mean, West Ham have got a quite a decent run in. Um, you've got Liverpool, and then you've got Leicester, got Man U, Chelsea, and then us plus a cup final. So I I, I thought Champions League was over a long, long time ago. No, I think you're probably right. Uh, Cooler was trying to get us to believe, but I, I, you know, I knew it was going to be difficult, and we had to win them all. Uh, and today, like if Leicester throwing it away this weekend, Chelsea almost did, and again for another decision. I, I thought it was a penalty to, to Man City with Sterling getting fouled, but then they didn't give it, and then Chelsea went and scored. So, like the opportunities were almost there; it could have happened, but we just weren't good enough today. So, Paul, what do you think? Look at what are the things that we need the manager to do when he comes in, because it's quite a big task now, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, okay, so systems of play, players cl- playing closer together to each other, giving them a clearly defined uh, plan of attack going forward. Defensively, make, defensively makes it a little bit, a little bit like harder to get through. I don't think we've got bad defenders. I think, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I believe Sanchez is a good defender. I think Rodon's a very, very good player. Toby's probably got another season or another two seasons within him. Tanganga, I think, can do a decent job at right back in front of Doherty and in front of Serge. And left back, you know, I'm, I'm losing a bit of faith in Reggie, so maybe we need to go out and get a left back. But we definitely need just to be, just to play as a cohesive unit going forward and backwards, not have like big diagonal balls being our main, you know, actually go through the thirds together. You know, like mm. second, third man runs like Delhi did today, those kind of things. Kane making off the ball runs to allow space for like Son to move into. Delhi finds him. Thank you very much. We need that kind of play. I don't think this I don't think this team have got the fitness to go and press. So I think we're gonna have to think of a way around that. But a new boss coming in is is, is a big undertaking. And I think next season, I think, I think it is, I think it is just going to be do the best we can, and then you know, top five again, Champions League at best, and you know, hopefully for a cup. I don't think we're going to like you know set the world alight. I'd, we're all looking for Park Mark Two. I'd, I'd, I'd be yeah. very, I'd be very happy if we got Park Mark Two, but I can't see it. So next next season is going to be like you know, kind of like you know, consolidation, especially with post COVID. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you've clearly focused on the tactical things that we need to do there, but I'm just thinking like there's so much more than that because you've you've got to have somebody that's willing to stand up to Levy and try and squeeze as much out of him as possible in terms of what he can do for the squad. Um, They've got to work on a very tight budget, so therefore they've they've got to have... Because we're relying on Steve Hitchin, which I feel like at the moment Mm -hmm. nobody's got any confidence in being able to do stuff. So Mm -hmm. you'd think they need to have some experience in the transfer market, some kind of network uh, or relationships with other people and clubs where they can get stuff going. And they've got to make quite a few changes because there are positions. I know you said you think our defence is all right from the the social media world. Most people don't think our defence is all right. Then you've also got to win fans over. 
I think the issue when you've gone from having Jose, one of the most decorated managers in the world, and you've had Poch, who had all of the good feeling before, mm -hmm. you really need somebody that's going to be impressive, which is why a lot of people don't seem particularly enthused by Potter. And then as well, you, it's, it's the atmosphere and the you know the team spirit seem to be on a, a pretty low point at the moment. So all of those need to be improved. Do you think the fans would give a new coach after the absolute debacle of Jose? Do you think there would be a bad feeling in the ground when we all go back? It was that bad that after Jose, I think people will give a new guy some slack, a lot more slack than somebody with a big name. If it was a Potter, and I, the more I read about Potter, the more I like him. And I think he could, but he, he is he just going to be a patsy for like, you know, the kind of like the, the board? Is he, is, is he going to stand up like you asked him? you want well, them to do this is the problem that they need to have a lot of qualities but i think mm. the point that you made there that's quite interesting is a lot of people seem to think that when we get back in the stadium that a lot of fans are going to be disgruntled by the the owner still like the 60 quid for this villa game is another right. ridiculous pr move this mm -hmm. is going to piss off a lot of the fan base so when they get back they'll be looking for any excuse to boo so i said like imagine that first game back in the next season in the stadium we concede first in that game there'll be boos guaranteed there'll be boos maybe not from everybody but definitely from sections of the fan base so i almost feel like whatever manager comes in people are kind of going oh all the, these managers are all distancing themselves from the spurs it's not an attractive proposition in the minute is hg really uh well i'd do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. fifteen million? Yeah, I know. I'd save him a bit of money. Um, I, it, it's, I think it's a lot of it's to do with the ambition of the coach now, isn't it? Right? Like, do you think you are the right person to take it on? Like, I, I just remember a, a couple of years ago when when Chris Coleman took the Sunderland job, and it was just like, no, you don't know how bad that decision is, mate. Yet you just mm. it, it felt like someone who had a bit too much confidence in his own ability and, and got found out. The, to me, the issue is is really more about the direction of what we want to do. Now, you can get a coach that, to to come in and, and decide those things, like a Klopp does and a Guardiola and a Pochettino, with a very set system that they really believed in. But how many how many coaches are there outside of that? Like, I, I don't know. It, it it really is quite quite difficult now to try and figure out what what a what a coach's style is. But like the, the club, I think, is still a, an attractive proposition. But you're right, people are going to start wondering, well, what can I do with what I have? Like, we've got a whole bunch of players that are soon to be out of contract. A lot of them you know, might go anyway, but we've got other players that we want to get rid of who have th you know two or three years left on their deal that this summer we, we may not be able to do much apart from loan them somewhere. It'll be like it'd be like with Foyt last year where no one had the money to buy him, so we had to extend his contract so that it, it protected the club, but also you know he got out and... And got made a name for himself, really, at Villarreal. So, I, I genuinely don't know, but I'd like to think, like you know, in a perfect world, Levy would look at the situation and think Hitchin has done a bad job, Mourinho did a bad job. They both went right. They both should go, and I come and start again somehow. And it, and if the two people that you then employ to do those jobs know each other and understand each other then that would make a lot of sense. And so that's why Rangnick plus his choice, I'd be more than fine with. Like Rangnick is the director of football to come in and say, this is how I've always played the game. This is what I want to do. This is what I believe in. And I'm going to have a coach who I know believes in the, that way of doing things. And we're just mm -hmm. going to work because it, it is another transition season. Like we said with Pochettino's first year, I don't think anyone thought the second year would be as good as it was, and no one believed the third year would be as good as it was. But 
for for it to all happen inside 12 months no we'll be very very lucky if we're in you know in contention for champions league positions next season I, i believe that but we've got we've got to find a way to start again because at some point we're going to have to re- replace Kane. At some point we're going to have to replace Son. And the only way to do that is by getting the foundations right now. Because uh, you know, Son might stay, but I think it's highly unlikely that they, they will both leave pretty soon. And we mm. have to make sure that the club can handle that and, and is ready for it and, and knows what it wants to do. Because I don't think anyone really thinks there's a long, really thinks there's a long-term plan there anymore. Yeah. What do you think, David? What direction do you want us to go in? Well, I think the, the manager that comes in, the first quality I'm looking for is they're an expert in uh, mergers and acquisition and manager buyouts so they can get with <laughs> So that's the first one. Very lightly. There's so many that are good at that. Um, sorry, Paul. Uh, I really don't agree with you about Davison Sanchez. There's a defender in there. He is he's shocking. 42 million quid. I've always said this. It's the same summer that Maguire went from Hull to Leicester and Leicester got two good years out of Maguire. We should have gone for him. My view is now, I don't have any faith in Daniel Levy's decision-making, both on a footballing and commercial level. Okay, mm-hmm. So the decisions on him now, we've gone through, I think we're up to 10 managers in 20 years, including your Ryan Masons and your Pleats and your Sherwoods, or even 11. Um, a director of football... Uh, Pleat, Arneson, Camoli, Baldini. Then we had Paul Mitchell and now Steve Hitchin. I don't, Steve Hitchin's decision-making process, again, shocking. So I agree with HG. I, I'd like, I'd probably say have Ragnick as the director of football or mm. the head of recruitment at Leicester, a guy called Lee Congerton, who's Congerton. been there for two or three years. Congerton, mm. he's been there two or three years. Leicester's recruitment in the last two or three years, has been outstanding. Even when they have to sell to the bigger guys, they've still reinvested really well. I mean, Tielemans, we could have got him, and they got him. So I would I would take uh, him or Ragnick as the director of football with a very clear mandate that they are responsible for all footballing affairs, which is contract renewals, uh, player purchases, sales, recruitment, scouting, development, a lot. Levy says... You can have your ten million a year or whatever Enoch decide to give us as the budget, and off Levy goes to to do that naming rights contract that he should have done three years ago for the stadium. And then as your manager, then there's two for me: pragmatic, someone experienced, and but again, not the Tottenham way, Benitez. But whether Benitez will want to work in a director of football structure and at, with Levy, not sure. Or and thought about this long and hard, if we're going to get someone young and upcoming and knows the league, I'd go with Potter. Eddie Howe got Bournemouth relegated. Um, mm-hmm. Scott Parker, it's too soon. And again, if his objective was to keep them up, he hasn't. He won't achieve that. So Potter plays a decent brand of football, a solid defence. Yes, they didn't win at home until Tottenham went and played them. But, you know, I was talking to a Brighton mate of mine this week. He rates him. And I think... Mm-hmm. I would agree with what the sentiment is on here. So next year is uh, sadly another transition year. But if we saw progress from the point of view of we saw exciting football and we saw, we saw what well, this is progress, a cup run, maybe we get Europa, very unlikely top four, then I think we can all live with that. But the systematic issue is, of course, the ownership, which I know we've talked to death on this pod about. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I think that's the problem. Is that we talk about Ranjit coming in, but again, it's got to be somebody that can can get something out of Levy, isn't it? And, and it's whether they're going to want to work under that. But I think exactly what you said. Levy should just be like, right, here's your transfer budget. If you manage to sell some players, or we manage to sell some players, you can have some more. Um, but essentially, I won't get involved in that part, and you have somebody else completely separate. Because I'd imagine like Levy's burnt some bridges now in the footballing world. I, I can't imagine anybody's going to be too amenable with him when it comes to dealing. So it's going to be a real struggle with him getting involved in, in transfers anyway. So I think we just need to, um, he needs to relinquish a bit of that control and get back, like you mm. said, to doing things like mm. the stadium rights and, and various other things, building hotels and uh, apartment blocks and whatever. And then just to finish off on the Son and Kane issue. So Son this summer, he's got two years left. Yeah. So we either signs or we're going to have to get rid. Yeah. Kane's got three years so I, I don't think even Levy's going to do the old Berbatov and Keane going in the same summer, bringing Fraser Campbell and we'll have Pavlichenko and Ben. Because, again, the narrative around Ramos, which I'm hearing a lot over the last month or so, was he didn't speak English, they never acclimatised, but we sold Berbatov and Keane under, underneath his feet. That was like, what, yeah. 80 goals going out the door. So I think this summer it will be one of Son or Kane will go unless mm-hmm. Levy says... The cost of Son, I'll run down Son's contract because of the Asia branding, marketing, and what it means to the club. I can offset off against getting no money for Son. Those are the key decisions. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a big mathematical equation on Son. I think you're right because mm. the, probably the benefit of having him for two years is probably quite high. And what well, do I? What do you think we'd get for him with one year left? Because there still seems to be some value. There is precedence for this. Certainly. Sixty million, players. fifty million quid. What, yeah, left? It wouldn't be peanuts. No, I'd say yeah, sixty million. I'd say sixty million with two years to go this summer, conservatively in this market. No, not, not with, with his marketing value, no chance. But He's this is the more. problem at the moment. It's just like literally nobody has any money, do they? Everyone, all the big clubs are in debt, apart from maybe PSG have got some cash. Man United, every single pundit seems to say that Man United need to borrow these players like Kane, etc. So they, I don't know whether they've got money that we don't know about, but. It's, it's going to be a very difficult year. And this is like a perfect storm. This is what makes me so angry because as much as every single, like I've listened to Redknapp say how intelligent Levy is and so many people say he's such a clever bloke, but he seems to have no sort of ability to look at a situation that's arising and go, right, we need to do something about this because we are, this could be a proper shit situation where we lose our best players. There's no money to refresh. We've got, you know, a year with no money from the stadium. It could be another two, three years until we've got cash to do anything. I agree. I agree. So on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me just mention this week's footballprizes.co.uk prize. It's a signed Paul Gascoigne framed picture. Um, tickets cost four ninety five. There's 65 tickets. And that ends on Monday the 10th at 7.30 p.m., it says AM, but I'm pretty sure it's PM. Um, get on there, footballprizes.co.uk, and with the code 10Cheese, you get a 10% discount. Also, if you've not done so already, please sign up to our Patreons. We've got some prizes on offer this summer uh, for doing a Euros competition like a lot of workplaces do. We're doing it for our Patreons, and we've got a really cool signed Jimmy Greaves frame picture for our competition winners. Right, HG, thanks for joining. You're welcome. It was always good to be on the uh, on the pod. Paul, thanks ever so much for joining as always, mate. Yeah, no drama. It's good. I just want to say one last thing. It's like, I don't like seeing our English players playing in gloves in May. (laughs) I just want to to say that. All right. I didn't say that earlier, but thanks. Yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks very much. Get it off your chest, Paul. No worries. And thanks for joining so early from Oz, Dave. Much appreciated. 
Pleasure. Uh, lovely to be here again and uh, talk to you guys for the first time. Great stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully have you on over the summer um, when we're talking about the Euros, which your lot won't be involved in. Actually, I suppose you're, you're still an England fan, are you? Well, hang on a second. Australia into the Eurovision Song Contest every year, so there's nothing impossible. <laughs> it won't be long, exactly. This new Brexit world that we live in, they'll be like, well... <laughs> we'll see. Right, as always, don't forget to subscribe to your podcast provider and all of our social media channels, uh, especially the YouTube, because Cool is uh, putting out lots of content on there, so please get involved in that. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.